Hello and welcome back to 10 Questions. Today's guest is the writer, director and producer, Trent O'Donnell. Trent's one of Australia's most prolific comedy creators, co-creating such shows as Review with Miles Barlow, Moody Christmas, No Activity and Squinters. He moved to the US in 2012 where he directed and executive produced New Girl. His other directing credits include Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Good Place and the new series of Saved by the Bell. Alongside Patrick Bramble, Trent reimagined No Activity for an American audience on CBS and is now the setup director and executive producer of the US's number one comedy, Ghosts. Trent's an old friend of mine, and before the interview started, he had some grievances he wanted to get off his chest. Do, is this, do I get the normal lead time for these questions? I feel like. Um... <laughs> I feel like I had a busy afternoon. I didn't get to, I didn't just, I, I just want you, everyone to know I only had a few hours. But knowing I was doing this um, and I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't write anything down or anything, but that's not to say it's not going to be great. And then the suspicious side of him took over. Well, what actor, what actor pulled out that I got the call this afternoon? Not that I'm, uh, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm honoured to be on. And then he started worrying that he wouldn't be entertaining enough. We talk all the time and this is probably the longest period. I thought this today. This is probably the longest period we've gone without talking. Yeah. For for forever. Yeah. Good. Um, so this could be that's the danger of this. It could just be us talking and just meandering and, and <laughs> um yeah. But anyway. Okay, let's get to the job at hand. When was Trent most happy? The immediate thing, uh, and this is genuine. Um, have you ever have you ever taken a, a tree stump out of the ground? Maybe I have. I couldn't remember. I just did that. Um, the last couple of days. So, and when you look at the thing and you go, all right, this will take, all right, I'm going to get, I'll be here for an hour soaring a crowbar and getting this thing out and cut to two days later. And you feel like it's, it's like Moby Dick saga and you get to the end and that your hands are all cut up. And when you actually get the tree stump out of the ground and hold that thing up, it's pure, you know, it only lasts, it's only like four seconds worth, but it's <laughs> euphoric. It was such oh, yeah. a, such elation. Um, <laughs> uh, so can I, can I, can I say tree stump? I don't know. Oh, well, hang yeah. on. and then marriage and children, lockdown. I mean, I think, you know, I know you and I have spoken about this before, but, and I think a lot of people had this, but that, that forced, um, that forced period of being at home with, with loved ones and, mm. and not going to places, that was pretty, that was pretty great. Death and, and uh, sickness aside, I've actually haven't minded the pandemic. It's, uh, it's been good for me because I'm, I'm pretty much agoraphobic and, and uh, socially awkward anyway, so I'm, I'm happy to be home. Mate, this, yeah, COVID was made for you, really. <laughs> It was Taylor Bay. Uh, no, it was, but it was nice, wasn't it? Because who would have stopped? You, you and I, we wouldn't have stopped in the way that we were forced to. Like, yeah, it was, it was quite lovely. And I lived on a, you know, I lived on this street with this little. All the kids had this little. They started like a little That's bike right. gang and stuff, and it was, you know, it was such a, it was such a nice. Period. Even the the tiny bit of work I did in that time, which was just to make a movie with friends. Um, was just a fun, like, you know, such a, such a, probably the most student film type experience I'd had for about 20 years as well. The movie Trent director was called Ride the Eagle. It's on Netflix and it stars Jake Johnson and Susan Sarandon. But Trent's pandemic wasn't all beer and skittles. I do want to remind you of the, the night that uh, Patrick Bramall uh, got the, uh, the positive COVID test at your house, wasn't it? It was, at dinner. yes. 
at dinner, he got a phone call. He was like, I guess, you know, he was officially, unofficially part of our circle. And then he got a call at dinner, didn't recognise the number, didn't answer it. They kept ringing. He answered. And it was someone from the show that he was on. And they said, you've tested positive. And then he just stood there and stood there talking to us about it. I was like, okay, you can get out of the house now. We can, we can talk on the phone. And then he went out in the house and he, he sat in the car. I think I even had to move him off the street. Um, but yes, that was a, that was a, that was a low point, but it was all for, all for nada. Cause it was a, um, it was a false positive. Oh, so, that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, and I did think, um, I did think Adam, I reckon the actual time, I mean, the actual happiest time you can probably, you know, if you want to edit out all the other stuff, um, was probably, I, I reckon like early days meeting Sarah and, that courtship period of that time of my life is probably the time I look back on as going, you know, that was probably that the era that I felt like that was the happiest time. Mm, yeah. Um, we were just, you know, we drank so much beer back then. I guess we were like in a way that I, I, neither of us are big drinkers now, but we, mm. we would just drink a lot of beer and see a lot of movies. We'd go to like three movies a week and stuff. Just, I think, and, and I worked like maybe two hours a week. So, um, if I had to pick a time, it would be then. Was that at uni? No, we met at uni, but we weren't together till um, uh, 2000. So it was, um, yeah, gotcha. the Sydney Olympics, so 2000. What, about three years later or four years later? Yeah, about more? four years later. Yeah, yeah, right. Wow. Had you remained friends um, since uni or did you just like see her again one day? We both had, we both had, um, we both had partners at, at, at uni and then no I just I'd been traveling and then I ran into her at a party and she'd just broken up from her ex-boyfriend and um I I asked her out there I think and then um the ex-boyfriend threatened to kill me for uh, about nine months or so actually oh a couple of years I, I oh finally saw him and, and 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 we buried the hatchet well you know he was just the kind of guy he would it was all, it was all like, you know, it was always drunken kind of, I'd get calls and stuff and, and yeah, it was, oh. but in a way where you just kind of like, you know, it was a little bit comical. It never felt like, I never <laughs> felt like I was actually going to be killed by it. Like, it was always a little bit like, oh, you feel like you're in, you're in that scene from a, from a movie. I love it. Um, mate, who would you like to apologize to and why? Um, that guy. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sarah's ex-boyfriend, um, and I, a friend we just heard from. I, I, you know, I'm sorry if I've told you this story before, um, but when I finished high school, a really good mate of mine, uh, Nat, and I, we we drove up the coast on this like he had this he had uh, this. Vita Beetle, and we put like surfboards on the roof, and we we basically drove all the way up the um, eastern uh, eastern coast of Australia, up to like right up to Cape Trib, I think. Eventually, anyway, we um, so we did this we did this road trip, and it was just like a fun, you know, a fun after after high school thing. But on the way, he um, he was going to meet his biological father who lived in the outer suburbs of Brisbane. And for some reason, I can't remember exactly the details of why, because I think I was, you know, I was 17 at the time. And 
I was the I was the contact between um, this this dad and and his son who um, he'd he'd never he'd never never met, oh. and you know. And to me, this was just like a dumb, fun holiday. Like we would, you know, we just surfed all the way up the coast and we drank too much and we just had like this great trip. But we, and then when we got up there, um, the dad, you know, called me, we were going to go see him the next day. And then my friend said to me, you know what? I don't want to do it. I think, you know, let's just get going. And I was like, okay. And the dad called me and went, Hey, yeah, he doesn't want to do it. Maybe another time. And and the magnitude of it all, it took me years to really, like I was such an idiot at the time. I was just like, yeah, he doesn't want to. Um, and they've since, they've never met. Um, oh, man. And I feel, I, I've, often when I see my friend's name now, when he when he emails to me or something, I go, gee, that was kind of like, I was bad at that moment. Like, and I felt bad. I feel, I feel bad for both of them. I would, I would, I, you know. I would apologize to both of them, I guess, but in some ways, particularly the dad, because I think, you know, my mates ended up very happy. It's a great life. Um, but I, you know, yeah, I, I, for some reason, I just feel, I feel like that was a big fuck up on my part. You're in the middle though. I, I don't know who bestowed that power on you because you weren't part of that family and you want, and you're not no, a professional social worker. Yeah, um, you're right. No. And I was 17. Yeah, it's actually my mate's fault. Why was I talking? About that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um I what well, I guess it kind of just dovetails into into question three, which is what is your greatest regret? The greatest regret. Well, it's not that anymore. I think we worked through yeah, we, that. Yeah, we've we um, worked that out. This is very hard for me, by the way. Way like, you know, I'm sure Sarah takes joy in in, in noting that I'm not like I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a shark in terms of moving forward. I just don't look back at, at, at you know, Sarah, my wife, Sarah will always say stuff like, um, you know, on your childhood or your pet, like all that stuff. And I'm kind of like, maybe, but yeah, I yeah. just never given any thought. So oh, that's this great. is good. This uh, is healthy for me. Oh, that's good then. But I think it's also healthy just to move on too, by the way, because as someone who's just, you know, sat in his childhood, because I, I wrote a book and I don't know if it's, if I'm processing or just dwelling, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think there's an argument for just moving forward, but anyway, as you were, yeah, it does make you feel like I think of you and someone who, you know, like just, just a, even on a surface level, you just seem like a deeper thinker because you are processing stuff in the, um, from your past, but, um, maybe that's all <laughs> very nice of you to say right, that. Di- biggest regret. Um, oh, I thought of a joke one here. You ready? Here yes. it is. Um, the best man at my Vegas wedding. That was a terrible decision. <laughs> no, that was a good. That, I really enjoyed that wedding. At least I had. A, I had a good time. Um, I'm sorry, good. it wasn't. I didn't, hey, I, yeah, you didn't feel like the same. But I, I thought you did a fine job. You know? <laughs> Probably could have been somewhat better in Vegas. Yeah, day, you, you did well. Yeah, you didn't wear a tie. Uh, I do remember that. Uh, I, I think you even wore jeans. Actually, mate. I don't think you were just, just, just terrible. I, I, and I know I'm punched up my speech. It was just like, it was just, you know, first drafty. Um, Um, that's a terrible regret. Um, I mean, I have, I don't, yeah, I have like, you know, dumb petty work (laughs) ones. Like, do you have that where you just like decisions, you go, okay, I shouldn't have done that. or I shouldn't have done this, but there's silly stuff like that. Um, I have a gut. Here's a gut. This is a true story. Back to gut. If I can relate everything back to the uh, my gardening yeah. experiences for the last few days, I was 
the same same tree stump, same story. Um, <laughs> digging amongst those roots, I dug up uh, like this plastic bucket, opened it up, and it had a metal tin inside. Oh my god! And the house is very old, and I. I had a, like a flutter of like, this is going to be, you know, coins or, or old money or gold or, or something like that. So I had to like, I carefully dug out this, um, this box, opened it and I was like, oh, it's nothing. It's just, it's just dirt. And then Sarah was there and she went, no, that's ashes. Oh. That's someone's ashes. And I was like, oh, it is. Oh. And oh, wow. I think it must have been because the house is like, 18 i want to say 1890 or something like that and i know that the family that built the guy that built it stayed there for a a long time and his um his kids then lived there so i'm like i'm thinking it's probably his ashes it looked that old like it looked it looked like it had been in the the ground for a long time anyway but i just kind of like i saw okay it's not it's not this and then i poured it out and then i was i was telling my mum um about it she's like what did you do i went i just chucked it throw it to the bin but she was like you did it it made me feel really bad but i guess you know i'm not i'm not particularly a spiritual or an afterlife person so i don't feel like i've disrespected it but i did think oh maybe i could have just put him back in the ground i didn't have to throw him in the bin but i did put him in the um i put him out in the in the rubbish i reckon that's the best regret we've had that's brilliant <laughs> that, oh, that happened like two days ago yeah um just for this show I'm, I'm so glad i got you on i'm so glad an actor pulled out um <laughs> what will you still need to do to forgive of the satisfactory life um i would like to i could like my kids to not be jerks when they're like i'd like to have nice adults kids and have had a hand in that but you know that's going to be more on them. Um, well, they're lovely, uh, by the way. I, I don't well, think so there's far. any chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I would. You know what? I would like to do something else. I'd like to. I, I feel like I'd like to just do something completely different for a while, and and have. Get, you know, I feel like when you do creative stuff, you get defined by it a little bit in terms of what mm. you do, and that's you know because it's because we largely we enjoy our work and so you don't turn it off all the time you're always thinking of stuff even mm. if you're not doing it I, i'd like to do to just pivot and be like you know make some nice furniture and oh, and, yeah. and and do that or do something like that i don't know exactly what but i do come from a long line of builders and carpenters yeah and stuff and, yeah um but i think to have a, yeah i don't know why but i feel like oh, i'd like to have a go at doing something completely different and then you know um be known as the guy that like makes nice chairs yeah. for a little bit. What happened to Trent? Oh, he's making chairs. Pretty much. Or or like, hey, you know the guy, the grumpy guy who makes who makes the incredible chairs who used to do television. Oh well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember no activity? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, never heard of it. <laughs> really? Got made in five countries. Haven't seen any of them. No. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. I do love those conversations when you when you mistakenly tell people that you work in television and then they ask you what you've what you've done and they go, No. No. <laughs> no don't, yeah. Never heard of it. I uh, know. I always have I, I'm pathetic with it and have to pivot to being like, you know, just some rand like the most famous person that's been in one of the things, so you can at least like cling to their successful yeah. career. Oh yeah, it's a life raft. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. 
who is the person who most influenced you and how? Um, I would say, I guess, it, it, it just personal life-wise, I just think, like, my friends who are good people, I definitely, like, you know, um, like, I find, like, a lot of my, my close friends, I'll admire certain qualities of theirs, and I definitely get influenced by it by them and try to emulate them a little bit, I guess. Mm. Um, but who cares about life stuff? Let's talk about work. <laughs> the, for, for, for career and, and, and so I reckon actually there's so many people that I admire and whose work I admire, but influence, I, I reckon it's, it's probably like kids I went to primary school with whose names I can't remember anymore mm. who first gave me some kind of inkling that I – I could be, I could had an understanding of comedy and, and, and could be funny mm. and making kids laugh and having that audience from an early age. Cause that's pretty much, you know, I kind of honed into like, Oh, I can do bits. And, and, and then I liked, I found like film and TV comedy and then kind of wanted to do that from, from my teenage years. So I'd say influence would be, yeah, those early, kind of like easy audiences of um, primary school kids. And, and also there's something to be said. Uh, there's something to be said when you're, when you're hanging out as kids and you find your little comedy group and you, yeah. and you, you've got a tone and you, and you've got bits and there's kind of like private jokes that you have and everything. And you, you're feeling funny all the time, you know? So you're, you're constantly honing when you've got like-minded people around you. Yeah. And it's, it's finding your little group as well, isn't it? Like it's, you know, yeah. everyone, it's fine. And you're trying to discover like, what are you good at? What's, what are you, what's mm. the thing that's, um, yeah, going to, going to make you, make you more popular in primary school. That's right. So yeah, it's interesting. So you, and, and this, your career is an extension of that. Yeah. Yeah. In some degree. Yeah. When was the last time you cried and why? Uh, never, never cried, mate. I'm not a crier. No, you're not. Uh, I'm not. I wish I was a bit more, but I'll, I'll, I can, I can well a lot. I reckon, yeah, but I, I'm not, I'm traditionally not a big, a big crier. I don't know. I'll blame my dad for that. Um, but. I would say I'm genuinely trying to think. Um, That's fine. I was, not crying is interesting in itself. I have oh, a cousin, like a cousin, cousin dying was, mm. I think just over like such, such sad circumstances where it was like, you know, I mean, just for my auntie and uncle had two kids, both committed, the second one committed suicide. And it was like, oh. they lost both of their kids. It was just, Oh my God. Just, and I think it was mainly for my, like, yes, just for my whole family and just for my, like, it was my dad's side, just for my dad and stuff. And even though, you know, and I knew these cousins well growing up, I wasn't sort of super close with them anymore. I do remember crying then, which, you know, is the right, the appropriate response. I'd be a total monster if I hadn't. Um, and then I a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah. That was probably 15 odd years ago, maybe more. Um, and then... I, I want to say on an aeroplane in like a, 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 an Attenborough type documentary where an elephant turned around the wrong way in a desert, like something like that. Like I've definitely, <laughs> I'll get more, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely well more in, um, in, 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 uh, on an aeroplane for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about the pressure and also, and also, you know, there's some sort of kind of displacement in crying about, uh, 
trivial things. Not that an elephant going the wrong way is trivial, but it, you know it, that that like an, an episode of the West Wing. It's kind of like some sort of I'll cry then, but if something really horrible happens, maybe I'm too shocked to cry. Yeah, it's funny too because it's like you know the dynamics you fall into with your with your with your family and stuff like that. Like my my wife is such a crier it's almost like that's her thing to cry and i like to look at her and laugh when she's crying <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a in a tv show or something or or you know or i'll know when she's about to just look and just wait for it and just wait for the tears <laughs> to go down and just go yep single tear hold that one and now both eyes cry um and i think it's just become a thing where it's like you know that's that's we identify as one crier and one non-crier yeah and, uh, yeah it's the opposite in in our household. I'm I'm the crier. Um, having said <laughs> having said that, what's the deal? I mean, Sarah and I both got, got German ancestry. I mean, why we're the criers? It's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, we're whereas Amanda and I are like strong, pragmatic directors. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Who know every that know that nothing is real and it's all <laughs> a story. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, what's your current state of mind? Um, it's, uh, it's, I would say it's just okay, to be honest. I've got to, um, you know, cause I, like, I haven't seen you since I've been back, but I, I've only been back, uh, like two and a bit months and then I have to go away again. Mm. Um, I'm going away Thursday and only for a few weeks, only for like, not even three weeks, but I've had this year of being, after never doing this, I've, I've spent six months of this year working overseas. Um, and it's a really like, it's, I'm not, I'm not, I don't like being alone. I I don't like Mm. being in like an apartment in a, in a, in a, in a different city by myself and stuff. I'm just not, it's, I'm not Mm. at my happiest in those moments. And so I think, um, knowing I'm doing more of that and just being away, like you feel it's hard, even though a lot of this stuff was, you know, to justify it was from like commitments pre COVID and then things got moved and the, the uh, my family and I, as you know, we moved back to Australia. Mm. So I, but it's, you still feel like a bit of a shitty dad and stuff to be like, you know, missing so much of, of the year. Um, so yeah, I can't, I don't feel great about going again. That's kind of the overriding thing in my mind. Um, at the moment and you're such a hands-on day you know like right now we're talking to you and you're you're at the baseball and and everything all that kind of stuff's very important to you yeah yeah of course like it's um you know and i always try to like i, I like to be and i love that stuff as well like mm. i love going to kids kids sports and stuff like i've, I've never really understood like the, the parents who would go like oh do you want to take them one week it's like i'll go every week yeah. like, it's 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 great but um um but you know i and and i feel a bit yeah, I want to just get that bit over with and just kind of, you know, work out what, um, what our life here is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it is interesting that cause you, you do take a bunch of projects with you when you travel back home, um, or yeah. back to Australia and you got to kind of like service those and then you go, okay, what next? Yeah. So I am in that what next. I'm just trying to like, it's just a, you know, I've, been living in LA for almost nine years or a bit over nine years. And then, um, and now just being, um, being back in Australia and, and, and just, yeah. Um, the figuring out, you know, uh, even what I want to do next. Um, Mm. and uh, yeah, but I know I do, but I know the thing that I don't want to do, which is 
be working overseas for long periods of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, exactly. Um, well, furniture's good, mate. I, I, I want to get a food truck and make crepes. So, you know, that's what we, oh, can, right. we can do in our dotage. Yeah, pancakes is actually, that's in my wheelhouse too, if you need like a, a sous chef. That's right. You, I remember you, you make pancakes on Sundays as well. Or Saturday. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I my cooking um, expertise is exclusively flat things. It's pizza <laughs> and pancakes. I don't. I make no foods that are like more than a centimeter high. Everything's flat. Mate, I'm done with that. That's brilliant. Um, what do you consider your greatest achievement? I hope people don't say this all the time, but I hope it's ahead of me a little bit. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, and kids, kids, kids being bored, but I didn't really achieve them. <laughs> um, I, I don't feel like I have. I don't. I don't. I don't have like one thing that I go, that was incredible. Um, Work-wise, it would be just because how it could have, it could have gone the other way was probably uh, right around the time we first met was making review um, with Miles Barlow, with with Philbert, making the pilot for that and and funding the pilot, uh, like putting my own money into it to make it. Um, And just at that stage I was in my life, like I think I was 29 28 29 and it felt like i was going to do this as you know like it's so hard as you know like to get your first show made is so hard mm. um and i think that that felt like my you know big swing last roll of the dice and i i think you know the pilot only cost like five grand or something and it was full of friends and favors and stuff like that but i think if that had not worked I very, very likely would have like gone, okay, I need because I need to find a job now then because I wasn't, it was a time I was not in the industry at all and, and just trying to find a way. Um, mm. And the fact that that worked, I feel, you know, lucky, fortunate that the timing and everything was good for it to happen. But that's probably the, the, the best work achievement so far, I think. I think it's such a brilliant idea. And it does seem to be a common refrain, uh, a common refrain of people, their last shot working. Um, yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Like, it's really, because I, I had a, like, my dad, has, he was a builder and then had a, like a value, real estate valuation company. And that was like the logical thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for, you know, I could have been the unqualified real estate valuer um, <laughs> pretty easily. And that's, and that's, that would probably have been, you know, yeah, it would, it's, it's, it's funny to think, you know, those little moments. <laughs> just cracking up the office, just wisecracking in the office. Um, well, how many, doesn't it make you think, like, how many great, how many talented people, creative, funny, wonderful people are that as yeah. well? You oh, know, for sure. Are man. those people who are just like never found the way, you know, because it is, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a needle in a haystack to find your way into that, you know, that privileged world of being able to like just make dumb shit for a living mm-hmm. and, um, and, and getting to do the stuff that you, you know, find fun. It's yeah, it's, it's, there's so much good fortune and that goes into that. Um, and I'm sure there's so many people, so many people that are like, you know, wired that way. Yeah. I, I, I saw a guy, I went to a wedding and there was this guy who it was, this, it was the wedding of a stand up comic and uh, one by one, his brother's, his father and his brothers got up and spoke before he did. And mm. on one level, you and none of them are in comedy. And on one level, you go, yeah, they're actually funnier, but he's got more polish. He's got the technique because he's been, you know. Yeah. But really, it's not necessarily the funniest that go into it. Yeah. 
yeah it's true i i think that you know i i think like you know for both of us like living in in la and working in la there's actually i think there's a really healthy thing about that that mm. it's that's quite leveling is that you feel you know you know, I, I, I found anyway, I never felt like I was particularly special there because you always knew when you got a job, but particularly when I was like a working, a jobbing director and I'm doing like a good place or a Brooklyn Nine-Nine or something like that, I always felt very fortunate because, you know, I felt, and it's, I think it's the reality as well, there is, there is a thousand other directors there that could do this. Um, and I think in, in a good way, you feel, you know, I think it's a nice kind of like ego tamer working in that kind of environment where there's so many talented sure. people. Yeah, man. For me, it was a very humbling experience, the whole LA uh, experience. But but I remember you and I having a conversation. You went, you know, there's there's a thousand Trents here and there's a thousand Adams. Um, yeah. Whereas like, you know, when we grew up, we were kind of the, we're a little bit special. We're kind of, you know, doing funny stuff at school and then funny stuff at uni. And we might, might've stood out because of that, but yeah, go to LA. You actually, it's literally big leagues. It's, we all felt that everyone, everyone yeah. who's here is, had felt that, you know? Yeah, it, it is. It's so true. I mean, you're great, but there's another Adam who's like younger, yeah. better looking, faster, fitter, stronger. Got all his hair. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh, incredible hair. Incredible hair. Waiting in the wings, willing to do it for half the price. That's it. That's right. No hangups. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who would you want on your side in a battle and why? On a battle, I would have to, I have to say my mum. My mum is such a, I mean, it would have to be family. And I'd have to say, yeah, like she's just a tenacious, stubborn, like can hold a grudge at like an Olympic level. <laughs> um, remembers like, remembers friends that wronged me from decades ago of things that I've, you know, would love her to get over. Oh, fantastic. Um, but she's, uh, you know, she'll just like, I think she's, you know, both my parents actually, they, they were kind of like, they had a very hard up, they both had very hard upbringings and they're kind of yeah, like, yeah. they're just tough um, and resilient. And um, my mum particularly is just like, it's like ferociously loyal, but um, yeah. Is she Irish incredible. too? Is she Irish background as well? Um, It's all from that area, like more Scottish. She's Montgomery. Okay. Um, but like big, you know, she was big Catholic family mm -hmm. and, and my grandfather on that side was a bit of an asshole. Um, and she left home very, very young um, and, you know, lived in Adelaide, I think, unless I'm getting this wrong, but like was, ran away and lived in Adelaide as like a 13 year old and yep. worked in the fish markets. And Your mum? Yeah. So she left, yeah. left home. Where, where was home? Where was she? Uh, out near Parramatta. And so she moved to Adelaide at, as a teenager. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, you know, and worked in the fish markets there and, and then came back to Sydney some years later. Oh, my God, uh, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like it's, uh, um, yeah, and I think, you know, she was just grew up very resilient um, and very, yeah, and just, you know, is, is like, but is exactly, you know, it was actually, I just saw it couple of days ago for the first time in two years it was a birthday and i flew down to melbourne for it um and you know she's just a lovely sweet old lady now but uh yeah like a, a, a very tough um very very tough beneath the surface 
Oh, that's interesting. So, so she'll remember someone who'd slighted you from a long time ago. Yeah, and the most petty nothing things. It's like, you know, literally, it's stuff like, yeah, you know, they were going to give you a lift somewhere and they didn't. It's like, okay, mum. <laughs> but I have got, like, I, I've let that go and we're now really good friends. But if you can't see them because they didn't give me a lift that time, I guess I respect that. And, uh, yeah. How you should never You should never speak to them again. Yeah. And where do you think you get your your comedy from which parent i uh, look my my dad definitely from like you know showing me stuff and expose like you know monty mm. python and all that kind of stuff um and then probably both of them in terms of like you know being uh, targets as a kid to make fun of <laughs> um you know because my dad was like i mean yeah he was kind of like he was a funny very we're very different like he's um you know, he worked as a builder. He's like a, I don't know if you've met him, but he's like a big guy. He's like a second row. He's like, his, his wrists are like thicker than my arms. Wow. Um, no, and- I always missed him whenever he's in town. I'd always be back in Australia, but I, I, you, you did recount some funny stuff that he said to friends of ours. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's had like, and you know, cause he grew up, my, my dad grew up without his father. His father died the week before he was born. Oh my God. Um, and, and so he grew up without a dad and then he's like, he, he lived a kind of tough life a pretty like, you know, he just, and he smoked, he smoked since he was like 13 um, and, and drank a lot. He was an alcoholic for a long time. Um, but, in, you know, we just stopped um, a bit over 10 years ago now, but still. Did he yeah. um, white, I mean, not, white knuckle it or did he go to a program? He did. He yeah. did. He basically had like, you know, heart attack. I always get the order wrong. I think it went heart attack, stroke, heart attack, heart attack, stroke, something like that. He had a he had a he had a run of like a lot of like um, one very big heart attack um, that he happened. He just had almost on the doorsteps of of St Vincent's oh, in, wow. in um, in Sydney. So he was like being operated on thirteen minutes later or something. Oh my god! Um, yeah, but um, yeah, very. I mean, even like you know, I hadn't seen my parents for two years till I went down to Melbourne on Friday. <laughs> even the like the story still of like his drunken kind of days of like you know he was he was teaching TAFE in, in, in Newcastle and total story the other night about like going out to a to doing a, a job working at a vineyard um outside of Newcastle and just getting hammered and then turning up to teach a TAFE class at six o'clock and not really being able to stand up <laughs> and having someone else had to take over the class and he just had to sit down in the front row. <laughs> Um, and the definitive story of my dad and drink, like one of my earliest memories. And this is the one that I was going to put in Moody Christmas originally. And then I didn't, cause I don't know. I don't know why I don't was like, it felt, you know, like it was, it was, um, I, I, I didn't know how he'd feel about seeing it on, on, on TV, but there was very early memory of, of was waking up Christmas morning with my older sister, Rebecca and look, and we, and my mum got up, and then we were looking for um, my dad. And then my mum just like walking to the the kitchen window, and you could see out to the the, the carport. And my dad being passed out in the car, the engine still running. So he'd driven home, hammered, and then made somehow made it home. But the car was still running, and just look. And my mum picked up a bucket. She turns on the tap. She's still like eyes on him. She tur- turns on a bucket of cold water, 
runs out, walks out to the car. This is me and my sister are watching this. She opens the door, just throws a bucket of cold water on him oh, in the car. Wow. And then, um, and he just, he just like woke up, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Christmas. All right. Let's go. <laughs> All right. What do, we, what do we got, kids? And just him sitting there down, sitting down on the lounge, like oh. trying not to throw up everyone. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And then, and then, so how, how old was he when he got sober? Um, he was, I want to say late fifties Yeah, when he got, when he got sober and incredible. Like I, you know, cause God, he smoked like a chimney and like he was, he was very, he was never, a, you know, he was one of the good alcoholics that you hear about. Yep. He was pretty high functioning. Like he worked and he would just, he only drank at night, but then he would, um, and he, you know, he was that guy that could like drink a couple bottles of wine and then be the first one up in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and doing all that. Yeah. Um. And, and and so, did his personality change when he when he kind of got off everything? Um. Uh, I think definitely at the start. Yeah. Like at the start, it was tough. It, it was tough for him, and he was probably he was moody and a bit grumpy and stuff a little bit at the start. But he's he's now um, mellowed right out. And he used to actually he used to still go to bottle shops. I don't know why that, because he didn't, he's not like, you know, we're the most untherapy family. He didn't go to AA at all, even though I think he would have really enjoyed AA and all the stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he would go, like, he would still go to bottle shops and just look at bottles, look at wines, and, but wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be tempted and didn't, never bought one, never drank. And, That's interesting. Yeah. He, yeah, isn't it? Oh, wow, mate. Um, the final question is, what would you like your last words to be? Just a good joke, I think, or just some great misdirect. Um, I should have written it out for you, Adam. I don't know what exactly it would be. I wouldn't want to be, you know, it'll be, you know me, like it would be something that just something to undercut the ridiculousness of me dying, hopefully in front of everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's likely to be and cut. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be pretty, that would be pretty great. Like that's a pretty great, yes, and. Almost, almost, and a very long <laughs> and, and then a short, sharp cut, and then I die. Thank you so much for tuning in to 10 Questions. If you'd like to subscribe to us on Patreon, we're at 10 Questions with Adam Zwar, and that's where you can get the bonus content on every interview. Until next time, thanks for joining us.